Welcome to The Scientific Method. We are Pacific Northwest University of Health Sciences foray into the world of intellectually entertaining dialogue. From healthcare to pop culture, controversial conversations to advancements in scientific technology and more, we provide expert insight on science and society. We are an exercise in overcoming the noise and discovering the truth. Uh, welcome back to The Scientific Method. Um, today we had a fun episode. We had three students on, um, two first years and a fourth year student. And seeing as it's application time for so many DO schools across the country, we wanted to get their perspective on what they've learned since applying to medical school through their first year here, through their fourth year here, and just give some advice on uh, potential students who are considering medical school or maybe entering into medical school next year. So without further ado, here is our episode on the application process, the experience of going through the first year of medical school and all four years of medical school and what pre-med students can expect when they're, uh, when they're entering into this big mysterious process. So we have three PNW students here with us today. Uh, Nick, you can start with you. Yeah, my name's Nick Lalani. Oh, sorry, I just knocked the table. Uh, I'm from Porterville, California. If no one's ever heard of it, it's between Fresno and Bakersfield. And uh, I'm one week away from finishing my uh, first year of medical school. All right, uh, I'm Daryl, uh, also from California, Anaheim. Um, and I'm also a first year student. And yeah, I mean, it's crazy how fast this year's gone by. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, I'm the old guy. <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew Gray. Uh, I'm a fourth year medical student, uh, and I'm one of the anatomy scholars this year. So I've been teaching these two yahoos, or helping to teach them. They don't really need a lot of help. Um, but I'm from uh, just outside of Seattle, uh, in a, a town, uh, Sammamish, Washington. And now uh, my wife and I live in. Wenatchee, Washington, on the east side, I which is had much to think better. About that one there. I did have to think about <laughs> where you live. For... <laughs> it's been a long day. Yeah, yeah. it's been a long year. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I'm actually gearing up to go back out to rotations for my fourth year in about a month or so. So two of you are from California, and our whole five-state region doesn't include California. Um, what brought you to PNWU and up to Washington? So, well, when I applied. Uh, I applied to probably like 20 schools. I mean, that I feel like it's pretty common. What about you guys? Um, I did about 15, yeah, 12 to 15. Yeah, about the same. I'd All say right. 15. Yeah. And it's basically you just need to cast a wide net because you really just don't know who is going to be interested in you. You can have the best test scores um, and grades, but and you have essays and experiences that all are incorporated. Um, but you don't really know what that school's thinking, how they're gonna interpret your essays, how they're gonna look at you as an applicant. Um, so you just need to cast a wide net, and then once those primary and secondary applications go out, you kind of sit and wait and wait for the interview and see who likes you or who's interested in hearing more from you. And PNW is one of the schools that I heard back from, and I was super excited. And it was one of those schools where I almost wasn't even, I wasn't banking on that one because I know that PNW is very regional heavy. They want to supply physicians to stay in the Pacific Northwest and specifically rural Northwest. And um, 
so I didn't really know what I was being like what I was kind of what they what they liked about me Mm -hmm. but once I landed here in Yakima I like immediately knew like I grew up in a community exactly like Yakima um it's the same rural agricultural heavy and it's they're like spitting images of each other yeah you're from Anaheim yeah. Anaheim is much like Yakima. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I had the exact opposite experience, right? Like, I grew up in the city, and um, um, after my first bout of undergrad where I decided to uh, leave school, um, I decided to transfer back up to the University of Oregon um, to start new and decided, that, like, after I wanted to go into medicine, like, uh, I started at the University of Oregon, and um, I really fell in love with the Pacific Northwest in general, once I moved back up. And it kind of just grew from there. Um, just the fact that like I knew growing up, growing up in the city, we had so many resources. Um, it was easy to get a doctor. There was never a wait there. Like, you know, it was, it was a joke. Like there, there's a spoil, there were spoilers of just so many doctors, so many things. And, you know, once I moved up to the Pacific Northwest, I got to work around Southern Oregon, like Roseburg and all that stuff. And I saw the disparity between the two. And so when I decided to set out to apply for medical schools, um, PNW really stood out to me because they, well, for one, love the Pacific Northwest. It's in the name. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they, they have their five-state region, and they also have, like, a mission to really get back to the rural and underserved, which I eventually want to go back into, um, specifically, like, serving Southern Oregon. So that's how I kind of ended up here, at least. Um, I did, like, I, I applied majority to schools in the Pacific Northwest, so. And... Andrew, you're the one from Washington. Was that uh, a, a big catalyst in you making the decision to come here? or? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that um, I always pictured myself actually going to my grandfather's alma mater. He, he went to University of Washington mm-hmm. Medical School um, back in the 50s. and uh, um, But he's kind of my whole reason why I got into medicine. I knew probably since I was five years old. I had no idea actually what he did, but I knew that what he did was really cool and it was really important. So I wanted to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to take the same exact route as him, but I wanted to get to the same destination, so to speak. And, uh, and it's funny because I came into medical school thinking, uh, thinking, you know what? I really like the science of medicine and I really like what my grandfather did. He was a general practitioner um, in a small town uh, called Colville, um, north of Spokane. And but he was a family doc, and I didn't want, I didn't think that I wanted to go into family uh, family medicine. And now that is what I'm going into. Yeah, that's what I'm applying for for residency. So, um, I guess I guess I, I've I've always wanted to stay in the Northwest, and I've always wanted to. Um, be a good doctor, but I just didn't know what kind I wanted to be. And as I went through this process, I kind of unconsciously gravitated towards things that I was passionate about and things that fit with my priorities in life. And it's funny how close I've gotten to the path that my grandfather took 50, 70 years ago at this point almost, um, even though I started in a completely different realm yeah 
That's amazing. That must be really fulfilling to kind of have it come back to you in a surprise like that. It is. And I think it's, I think one thing that I've learned, and I think, uh, I think these two wonderful gentlemen will learn when they go out on clinical rotations is that you, once you get out on clinical rotations, it's not so much, you know, you've already decided at some point during your preclinical years that you enjoy the science of medicine. It's not until you get out into the, to your third and fourth year that you truly start to figure out what gives you the most purpose as a cl- clinician. Mm. And it also, and you also learn more, much more about the art of medicine and you learn not just, you know, what kind of academia you want to be a lifelong learner of, but you learn what kind of people that you want to be around and what environment you want to be in. And when you, uh, and when you have those experiences during, during third and fourth year, it completely shapes not just the type of professional that you want to want to be, but the type of healer you want to be as well. Yeah. And speaking with that, another huge decision in coming to PNWU is an osteopathic school. Um, and that kind of goes back to that whole patient approach that osteopathic medicine preaches. Um, when you were making the decision between schools, I don't know if you got accepted or had uh, been in, in interviews or whatever with other schools, but did that factor in? And if so, how? So for me, I was what, like my third year in college is when I decided I was going to pursue a career in medicine. And when you go to your academic advisor in undergrad, they basically, work, you look at your grades, your test score, or not your test scores yet, but um, your, basically your application. Who are you going to be competitive for? What do you want to do? And um, I wasn't the greatest student early on. And uh, I realized just statistically wise, I was much more competitive uh, for an osteopathic school. And then I think that's kind of contributed to there's fewer schools. It's a, a newer newer uh, profession, not necessarily a newer profession, but it wasn't licensed in all the states until, I mean, the last state I think was in the 80s, if I'm correct. Mm. I think so. Um, so just being like a newer, less familiar field, um, it's going to get less applicants. Um, so I learned about osteopathic medicine then. And then from there, I was planning on applying to both. And as the uh, kind of years went on, I, I scribed for an osteopathic physician. And uh, it, he was great. Yeah, I mean, he, he was just a physician that I could see myself emulating. And I had a really good experience with him. He did a little bit of osteopathic manipulative treatment. Um, but that was actually just a really small facet of what he did. But um, just him in general, it's, it was almost like it, it's, a, it's a tool that I wanted to be able to use um, when I saw fit. And I, 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 I really buy into the holistic approach or just treating the patient, not the disease. I mean, when we throw around the term holistic, I think that can get misinterpreted um, by the general population as like yeah. alternative medicine often. And so um, I think a better way to put it is more just focusing on the person, the individual, what's going to be the best for you individually um, versus like, I'm just going to give like look at that disease and I'm going to give you medication for that disease. Um, but I don't think that that really is osteopathic medicine in general. I mean, some of my closest friends are at allopathic schools, and I think that they're going to treat just as holistically as I will, but um, it was a tool that I wanted um, to know, and I ended up personally just applying to uh, osteopathic schools, but that came more, I think, because I, when I applied, I'm, I'm pretty pretty sure I'm a good fit for family medicine, and um, Osteopathic schools really sell it, especially here at PNWU. Um, the the goal is often to kind of fill that primary care gap where we have um, 
all of these uh, shortages. And yeah, that's basically how I ended up here. Yeah. So for me, at least, I was originally a college dropout and I had to take a lot of time off to really reassess what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Like from ever since I was like a kid, my parents always told me like I said I wanted to become a doctor, but yeah. I just never really had the drive to become yeah, a doctor. Was it, the, was it the grades or was it motivation or? Um, it was a little bit, yeah. it was a mix of both. Yeah. I mean, I was at my first undergrad in California. I was, you know, I was president of my fraternity. I did, you know, did stupid things as, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a 16 or 17 year old. Which is probably good to hear too <laughs> for anybody thinking Fun of applying things. to medical school. I know when I think of medical school, being separated from it and never being a medical student myself, you kind of think that somebody has to have an exemplary record from the time that they're really recording their grades all the way through college. And that's how you get in and that's how you become a doctor. Yeah, and that's definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> so like for me, like I totally just you know, messed up like for my first two and a half years of college and I just had to drop out because I had like, I just lost my way completely. And then I finally, like I took a two, like two years off and like did some stuff in the West Indies, like did like a medical mission trip and like all that stuff. and really find like figured out the fact that like I do want to do medicine again and got my butt back into gear. And that's when I decided to move up to Oregon and go to the University of Oregon to finish up my bachelor's degree. So Along the way, I, you know, ended up scribing like Nick did, and um, I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to be an osteopathic physician. I was working in a trauma 2 ER with a lot of allopathic physicians and a lot of osteopathic physicians, and I got to see both sides of, like, you know, like how they decided to treat their patients, and the line wasn't as clear for me, like, because... You know, growing up, you, you know, all you hear of physicians are MDs, right? Like, you don't really hear too much about being a DO. So when I was going through my process, um, I was applying to allopathic and osteopathic schools. And I ended up getting accepted to both allopathic and osteopathic schools. But what really hit home for me was it was like one of the last, honestly, it was like one of the last shifts that I um was working in the ER as a scribe and it was it was with an osteopathic physician and he kind of like took me under his like tutelage and started like grooming me because he knew I was going to medical school somewhere yeah <laughs> whether it was DO school or MD school or whatever but he was just like you know like this is what you're gonna have to start thinking about blah blah, blah. and it really just showed me like the fact that he scribes don't get treated very well let's just <laughs> let's just leave it at that and I mean, for all the pre-meds actually listening, you know exactly what you're going through. It's a through. rite of passage. It's a, it's a rite of passage, absolutely. But for me, like the fact that I can look up to a DO and he took time out of our busy schedule to just sit down with me and really like take me out to dinner and really just like, you know, just take me in as like his, <laughs> you know, his own like kid kid <laughs> you were his young padawan yeah i was like my I was, exactly i was his young padawan and it was just it was a really enlightening experience at least because he he invited me into his family and he was like he really cared about me becoming a good physician as opposed to just hey congratulations you made it to medical school now you're dead to me kind of yeah. deal you know so when it came, <laughs> so when it came time to, for me to make a decision between choosing like an allopathic and an osteopathic school, like it was a multitude of reasons, obviously. Yeah. But I think the fact is like I've had really good interactions with both types of physicians, but 
the one that really just stuck with me in the end was the one that just really cared more. And he was the, he was the perfect embodiment of what I wanted to become. And it was, I mean, it worked out well, and I do not regret being here in the slightest. Yeah, Daryl said one thing uh, that kind of made me think about it. I, at least for me personally, when I was applying or you're trying to write your personal statement or think about what you're going to say in interviews, uh, you kind of want to find this like one epiphany moment or this one thing that makes you want to be a physician or wants you to want, uh, makes you want to be an osteopathic physician. And I've never really had that. I've had a lot of little experiences that have accumulated into me just feeling like this is the right path for me. This just feels like the right decision step by step. And so I'll, there's no one thing that I think you can point out, whether that be allopathic or osteopathic physician or just being a physician in general. And so I guess to the pre-meds out there, I don't think you need to have this epiphany moment to sell on your application to convince people that you're meant to be a physician. Yeah, I think, I mean, you guys both have you know, more of a multitude of choices. I went to PNW because they accepted me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had, I had two choices. It was PNW or Rocky Vista. And it was much more important to me to be, um, in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. uh, and be near my, uh, be near my wife and near my family. Um, but you know, one of the things that's, that's so, that, that gets mischaracterized a lot of the time is, is, when we talk about osteopaths versus allopaths, we talk about them as two separate factions within the medical world. And, and we talk about the holistic approach versus, you know, you know, the sum of the parts. And we talk about, um, you know, manipulation as an alternative form of therapy. Um, but in, in, in all reality, you know, osteopaths and allopaths are educated the same way. They take very similar, if not often the same board exams depending on what board exams you take. They have careers that are just exactly the same. And, and the only real clear-cut difference is we also learn how to use our hands to diagnose and treat. That's really the only thing. And I think, the, I think using the word holistic approach as a tenet of osteopathy is absolutely true. But it's not just a tenet of osteopathy. It's that's just being a good doctor. Mm. Being a good doctor is taking care of the person sitting across from you, not the collection of cells sitting across from you. <laughs> yeah, for like lack of a better word, the, all <laughs> the anatomical structures or something like that. You know, those are all, all those things are important, and that's what we learn in preclinical years. But being a good doctor, I fully expect our allopathic counterparts to be as empathetic and holistic as we are, and. So I think that that's just I think that that's just a an indication of an exemplary doctor because we've all met very very good doctors and we've all met not so great doctors right and we've met them in both sides of the profession you know so that holistic approach is just a you know that's a characterization of being a good clinician it's plain and simple. Yeah, Daryl, in your last comments, you were saying that you don't regret the decision at all. I imagine. Um, wrapping up your first year you've had quite a year of studies and you know it's really time consuming you're away from family you have to work really hard school in general is expensive you know you're taking on a lot of debt every day you're here um so in your experiences so far with both of you wrapping up your first years and you being in your fourth year um are there moments that you've had where you've said like this 
was worth it with all that that time and effort or maybe this wasn't the best idea that I've ever made or what are what are some of those experiences I mean honestly like just looking back on it like even the road to get here I if I if you were to tell me that I would have an opportunity to do things differently and even though I would end up at medical school regardless like I would not change a thing. I would fail again. I would drop out of school because honestly, like that, all that stuff that led me to this point today is what made me want to get into medicine. It's it's all the it's all the trials and tribulations, like losing my dad and all that stuff. It made me what it made me realize how much I care and how much I was not meant to be here, but you know, it just made me realize how much I cared about being a physician because I wanted to do right by not only my family, because they helped support me to get here, but to everyone else that I will eventually see as my patients. And, you know, wrapping up my first year, you know, I, the experience in it in itself has been a whirlwind. Like, yeah, whirlwind just, is the word that always <laughs> comes to mind. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster of emotions because you come off that high of getting accepted into medical school mm-hmm. and then you hit a brick wall. Like you're driving a Lamborghini and you hit a brick wall like the moment you finish orientation. And it's like, hey, here's 10 lectures in eight hours and you need to know all of it because you're going to get quizzed on it tomorrow while getting another 10 lectures tomorrow about 10 different, completely different things. And it's just, it's just so much that goes into becoming a medical student that you kind of don't realize while you're applying, right? Because you think about all the glitz and glamour about getting into medical school. Like, Mm. it's great. Like, when you tell everyone, like, heck yeah. I made it. We're here. (laughs) Like, you've (laughs) been working. my white coat. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm ready to treat you from day one. But, like, you know, you think of all the glitz and glamour about getting into medical school because it's such a hard process, right? You take your MCAT. You take months off just to write your application, your personal statement. If you're and then, lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> and then you interview, right? Like all the time, countless hours and money that you spent and it culminates into this white coat that you're given, like, you know, your first week of medical school. And then once you get there, you're just like, holy crap. Like, yeah. what did I really sign myself up for? But it's been awesome. Like, I'm the most tired I've ever been. I'm the most, like, emotionally drained I've ever been. But I wouldn't give it up for anything else because, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, being at specifically with this class, like, I'm so glad that I decided to come here um, because it solidified my reasons for coming here. Yeah. It was the people that wowed me at my interview day, and it was the faculty that wowed me at my interview day. And it wasn't a front, you know? And, yeah. like, the moment I stepped onto this campus and, like, knew that I could leave my backpack in the middle of, of the foyer for like two days <laughs> and no one would take anything. I was like, oh, I could be here. Like, this, no one cares. And, like, you're just kind of like, we're all in this together. And yeah. medical school is inherently difficult. So why would I go to a place that makes it more difficult by having people that don't even like each other? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, this, for me at least, like, you know, I, I, I'm under the assumption that I'll, almost all pre-meds are type A kind of personalities and like super no. like, <laughs> and super go-getters, right? Mm-hmm. But like for me, I'd, I'd fall like lower on the spectrum of type A because I believe in, you know, kind of just taking it easy. And mm-hmm. like b- my performance depends on how relaxed I am as yeah. opposed to like how 
you know, emotionally charged I am about, I need to beat out this person. Mm -hmm. I need to beat out this person, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, you know, at the end of the day, just you do your work and you'll end up getting whatever you deserve and you're meant to be where you're meant to be. Kind mm -hmm. of yeah. And my classmates support like that, those ideals kind of deal. Right. So that's why I'm, you know, looking back on this year, it's like, it's been a long year, but it's been fantastic. It's, so. it's funny. A lot of the things he said, I totally agree with. And, but it also at the same time, like I had a slightly different experience, but same kind of takeaways. Like my interview, I, I left the interview like, yeah, I mean, that, I could see myself there, but I wasn't blown away. And it wasn't until after I was accepted where PNWU really sold me. It was like after I like got the call and then kind of like just the, there's like some logistical stuff that you have to do uh, during that time after you've been accepted and matriculate. And just interacting with the staff was black and white differences from other schools. Like some schools are like, they don't, they don't care about the kind of disregard applicants. Like, you're kind of bugging me today. And when I interacted with the, the staff and faculty here, it was like, oh, like, these are people that I could see myself, like, hang, like getting along with. And I think with our class, they, I have so much more faith in the admissions committee. Kind of, I feel like they've really built a very cohesive group here. Like, we all get along. Like, uh, and that kind of going back to osteopathic schools, I, I kind of thought about this when I was applying and and I don't take this with a grain of salt. I don't know how much truth to it there is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so like you look at these top tier schools and they're like 37 MCAT average and four point whatever GPAs. I kind of sat back and I was like, wait, do I really like have much in common with those students? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and uh, think about like an osteopathic class here, like, or not, not an osteopathic class, but our our school here, our, our GPA is a little lower. Our, our MCAT score is a little lower than these top tier Ivy League schools. And well, not a little lower, it's relatively <laughs> lower. But um, you, you like, we've had a, a community where like-minded people, we all get along and we all have similar interests. We approach things in the same way. And I think that's, that's made the struggles so much easier. And yeah. Yeah, I imagine that shapes the personalities of the people too, because you want to come back, just like you were saying, Andrew, to the idea of treating actual people. And if everybody you're surrounded by is this, I like perfect, you know, like mm -hmm. I've never made a mistake, I've never got a bad grade, I've never, you know, then I think you kind of lose the human side of it. Yeah. And then you may end up losing the, the human side of medicine in general. And then you mm -hmm. burn out so fast. And like, I think we've done a, I mean, there's still times where you're just like, this week is going to be bad or like <laughs> I don't know, you have to give up something like lack of sleep or like exercise or kind of not talking to friends and family for a little bit because you have to get it done. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very supportive environment we've got here. Yeah. The, the people that you surround yourself with in medical school that run that gauntlet with you, it, like I can't overstate how important they are not just for the like the just the moment to moment support but how important how crucial they are for shaping shaping you for your what your future self is going to look like as a professional because you know in all in all honesty like like medical school sucks like it, it's so <laughs> it's it's really hard and um but the thing that successful students and successful clinicians learn and this is something that that I heard Nick say like two weeks ago, but you have to embrace the suck. Um, and the people that you embrace it with 
um, make that so much easier because it's not, it's never easy. You know, when you're in preclinical years, you, you get to medical school and you're like, you know, like, awesome. I'm in medical school. I just got my white coat. It's a little shorter than I was hoping it was going to be. Um, but that's just what they do here. Um, and, um, and I'm really excited. I'm going to go start seeing patients in the hospital and like walking really fast. Like I see in all the, uh, in all the, in all the TV shows and stuff. And then you get here and it's like biochemistry, um, anatomy, 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 physiology, pharmacology, all of these hard sciences that take you so far out of the clinical realm that it feels like you're never going to get back to the reason that you came to medical school. But as a clinician and as someone that is going to be responsible for the lives and well-being of other people, it is your responsibility to embrace that suck and to embrace learning as a lifelong profession almost um, because that's what it is to be a physician. The patient sitting across from you is not going to care, uh, is not going to care about how, how hard medical school was or how hard residency was. They're sitting, they're sitting across from you, you know, whether or not it's in the ER or it's in a clinic, or it's in you know, um, or it's on a on a home visit for hospice or something, and you're looking at someone that's potentially having the most vulnerable moment of their life, right? So then you're presented with this weird paradox where it's like, you have to be thick-skinned and thin-skinned at the same time, right? You have to be thin-skinned because you have to be able to show empathy to that person sitting in front of you and make a connection that allows them to trust you and your decision-making, but you also have to be thick-skinned enough that um, you're not going to let your past failures, and trust me, there's going to be a lot of them, uh, <laughs> define your self-worth, right? Because you have to be confident in yourself before you can uh, disseminate confidence to other people. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, the failures, and then I also kind of think about when we were talking about deciding like which school or which profession, and uh, I remember our first exam in, in SciFOM. It's like our first big class, kind of like gets you going. And I was walking in the first exam, and I was so nervous because I just I didn't know how I was gonna go. I, I've never been here before. You don't know, like how much do I know? Do I is what kept going in my mind. I was like, I felt like I studied enough, but I didn't know did I study enough. <laughs> yeah. And I think that unknown <laughs> never study enough. Just, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. That's one thing that like so many pre meds have so much trouble with. I think is that you're not going to go into a test knowing absolutely every detail. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is such a struggle for these students that have done so well, been at the top of your class for so many years. And mm -hmm. that unknown is just like, it can be so frustrating. And then with the burnout side of it, or kind of putting yourself in an environment where you can succeed um, versus like the biggest difference between schools that I realize now versus what I didn't know when I was applying is like curriculum structure. That to me is a way bigger difference between schools versus are you an osteopathic school or an allopathic school? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you said it hit it spot on. And I think, I think the biggest thing for me also was the fact that, I mean, just kind of culminating all of our ideas really, it was the fact that we're all human at the end of the day, right? And we're supposed to be, we're, we're humans treating other humans, right? So we have to understand like where, like where everyone's coming from. And I think the fact that we were able to come here, I mean, for, I mean, for me and Nick's class, at least, like it just made it so much easier because we, we accept when we, we accept our failures. We're very open with who we are as 
people. And the fact that we are able to be open about all that stuff and really be vulnerable, more vulnerable with each <laughs> other. I wouldn't say completely vulnerable, but like the fact that we're able to be vulnerable with each other, I feel prepares us more for not only like accepting future failures because it's never like, you know, that's never going to stop in terms of like, you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be insanely like just know it all type of deal because medicine is like just so vast. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, do we really know how to be human with each other? And I think just being in this environment has been super, I don't know, awesome for me at least to be able to, just be, see that side of medicine at least because these are all all of my colleagues are going to be treating pe- like people in the future yeah, and right. for them to be so accepting gives me confidence that that's something that is a strong suit of ours and mm-hmm. it's something that we foster here at least so yeah. i think that's super encouraging so i've i've been talking to other students with this recently as this like year comes to an end and i've hear different things from different students do you guys think that the application year or the first year of med school is harder. The application, you mean the application for medical school? Yeah, like like the the difficulty and the stress of applying to medical school versus actually when you're here. Which which one was more difficult for you? Oh, first first year of medical school yeah. for sure. I think it's a, oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I I mean I mean that personally that's what that's what I think because <laughs> I don't know I think that um, I think you experience failure obviously in both sets, right? Like you you experience failure in the application cycle because there's very few people on the planet that just rock their uh, rock their um, MCAT and have a stunning resume and just get in wherever they want to go and everything just works out for them. That is, that is by far the minority. So you experience failure every time you don't get into a school, but those failures are discrete and kind of they're separated out so you can have a low and then not uh, and then get back to your baseline of self-confidence right and then try again right when you come to the first year of medical uh, medical <laughs> school i mean <laughs> it's like we all know what it feels like to fail a quiz and it seems so trivial well, now we do, uh, those, now yeah. we do right? <laughs> it seems so trivial to you know like why do we care so much but we've been you know people in acad- academia are kind of bred to ki- to sweat the small stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you're getting it's like you're getting, you know, kicked in the shin like six times a day <laughs> every day, you know? It's yeah. not as big of a singular failure as yeah. not getting into medical school, but it's it's it compounds on itself and then you're looking around at other people that didn't experience that same failure yep. and stuff like that. So it's, it's alienating feeling and it, you know, and that's where that, you know, that's where your colleagues and your, you know, your, uh, your classmates, you know, that's the, that dividing line between a good, a good cohesive class and a bad class, because yep. the good cohesive class lifts up the people Absolutely. that are struggling Absolutely. and carries them when they are not, when they are not walking as fast as they should be. And then they switch, yep. you know? Yeah. I wanted to bring that up, too, because you mentioned the idea of being able to feel vulnerable and talk to people. Uh, Were there like early experiences or what do you credit for that community existing here? The suck. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, must I'm, be, it must be at every medical school. I'm, I'm, yeah. you know. I, I guess like, well, so when I thought that the application process was stressful, it's, it was more stressful 
because you've spent so many years kind of working towards this. And this is yeah. what you see yourself doing for the rest of your life. But you may, like, students get in. Students that are highly qualified don't get in. And that can be so much of just luck of the draw. Like, maybe the person that read your essay on that committee, they didn't like it. If it was the person next to you, they may have liked it. And you would have gotten an interview just based on that. So there's, mm. there's such a gamble to it. And so every year there's students that deserve to go to medical school that just because of, for whatever reason, didn't get it. So that unknown was really took a toll on me. But then once I'm, once you're here, the day-to-day is by far harder. Like, yeah. this is the hardest thing I've ever done Absolutely. in my life. But each day, you get better at it, and you yeah. just get more productive. You learn more. You just become yeah. a better, like, your work. You're becoming a physician. Yeah. And and what's cool is, like, you see that, and and you sh- you're sharing those experiences, and you're building those relationships. And, you, I mean, we spend so much time together. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't want to strangle the person next to me yet. So, like, <laughs> we're getting along pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. Most <laughs> of the time. But, like, yeah. I mean, the only reason I would say that the application process was – and we'll get to Paul's question after that. Yeah. But, like, the only reason I wanted to say the application process was more, like, difficult was because of the fact that we do build up to it for so long. Yeah. And – there are people that just never make it. They apply and apply and apply. And it's a scary thought. The unknown of just t- people, other people telling you that you can't be a doctor mm-hmm. is decimating. Oh, yeah. It's decimating. The only reason why I don't think first year of medical school is as bad as that decimating feeling is because it does suck. And you are told that, like, dude, you might not know as much as you think you do because you're Mr. Hotshot coming out of undergrad, and it's humbling. But you're growing every single day. And I think that growth process is what makes it not as bad. But And people forget a lot of the time when they get here and and you put those blinders on, right, you kind of – you forget that heartbreak of when you didn't get into medical school, right? So when you forget that – um, when you forget that some people start to take the fact that they're in medical school for, for granted, granted. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. Which is, which is really difficult. So it's always, it's, it's so important to remember, you know, as far as that light at the end of the tunnel is away, it is there. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it's, it, it's, I try to always remind myself and I try to remind people that I see that are struggling. I remind them that, you know, the admissions committee at this school and at every medical school selected you to be at this institution and they did not make a mistake in yeah. doing that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Sorry. What was your question? What was your question? Yeah, we've <laughs> gone off like on a mad tangent. So I always hear people talk about the community here and how they feel comfortable around the students that they're near. And when you come in, there's 135 plus strangers that are around you. And there's really no reason, especially coming into something as stressful as medical school, to feel like you should be able to be vulnerable or be open with your own failures. What were the experiences that you had here, the differences in this place that kind of showed you that it was okay to say that, like, hey, I didn't do very well in that last quiz or I'm really stressed out right now? Or It's other people, I think, yeah. is one of the big things. Because I think that if everyone – you know, if we didn't get to interact with each other every day and see each other at our worst, um, <laughs> it always, it's kind of like a, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's a domino effect. You usually have, usually have one student or a group of students that at the, sometime at the beginning of the year, take, uh, have the courage and the bravery to say, I'm struggling and I need help. Yeah. 
and they usually do it in some semblance of a public forum, you know, whether or not it's on the Facebook page yep. or we with postcards from PNW, stuff like that. You know, even if it's done anonymously, someone someone taking that leap unconsciously gives everyone else in class permission to do the same thing. And I think that's I, I think it just it the differences between the classes is just how long it takes to for that, that first domino point. to fall. Yeah. And you mentioned the postcards at PNW. Mm-hmm. It's a it's Facebook page. It's it's really cool. It's like only for us to look at. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it like basically for anyone to talk about whatever struggle or success they've had, they can submit it anonymously to this page. And just reading the like just so honest like about your failures or your struggles, it's just kind of like it's cool because you're like, okay, I, I can relate to that. And I think that's I can't give a, sp- a specific example, but it's like you want to vent, and it's a, a balance. Like some, we get carried away sometimes, just venting too much, complaining too much. And for me, it's like <laughs> you, you see, All like you're you're with this group of students that are also like living it with you, and you're sharing experiences. And I think that's a, a one of the factors that like we're all like wanting to be physicians is like you want to share this experience with someone else and like we're all sharing this experience and I have found there's a lot of individuals here that see the same perspective as me and that and we basically interpret it the same way and kind of can make decisions that are pretty similar but we're also pretty like diverse in our backgrounds or thought process and it's cool to kind of balance see where it's like where everyone's thoughts are coming Mm -hmm. from right and on top of that too it's really like yeah that's an awesome point like just because i mean we all have a similar mindset but like we do come from different backgrounds and we do have different like end goals of of what we want out of medicine right so it's really refreshing because the fact that we are open with each other just makes it a lot easier because you get to see it from a a Mm -hmm. lot of different angles right and on top of that, too, I mean, I know for me personally, at least, when I first came here and I failed my first quiz, I was just like, holy crap. Like, it's like, dude, it, well, I, it, it just, like, like, like. dumb little five, well, it's yeah. not dumb, but it's a little five-point quiz relatively <laughs> to the entire right. course, but it just frustrates yeah. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it, it, was a, it was a huge blow to me because I was just like, dude, like, I just came off of, like, you know, all my undergrad stuff. I was getting straight A's mm. to finish off my undergrad, like, you know, crushing it, right? Like, I'm this awesome hot shot student and then <laughs> man I get my first failed quiz back and I just sit there and I'm like man what if, what am I doing with my life kind of deal and like it's not health like which is ridiculous which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous in retrospect right because you know it doesn't define who you are mm. as a physician in any sense no. of the form like at all like your grades whatever like who you are as a physician is what you want it to be when you get out onto rotations and eventually into residency, right? But for me, like, I was down in the dumps and, you know, I had a, a professor, uh, he's, a, he's also a physician, and he just kind of came up to me and we just started talking and, I, and we were just talking about the quiz and stuff like that and, like, where can I do, like, where did I go wrong, blah, blah, blah. Like, the, the, the world was ending. Like, I was telling him, like, this, is, this sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And he just... He just, like, very openly stated, like, dude, honestly, I don't even know the answer to that yeah. question. <laughs> like, like, I wouldn't expect you guys to know this. It's just a random offhand thing. And, you know, like, dude, they're move quiz, on. Yeah. yeah, they're quizzes. It doesn't mean anything. And the fact that even our faculty can really, like, kind of open up to us and just be like, yeah, dude, like, it's fine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And tell us it's okay. Like, instead of being your, like, really your superiors, I mm-hmm. guess I should say. Like, right. they're really there just to be more you know supportive of you mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's really awesome 
So. so like also beyond medical school, like that's like PNWU specific, I think is, so when I was applying, I was, I kind of, I, I put too much, when I was trying to pick schools, I was putting too much weight into like, oh, this is like an urban area or a rural area, or they have this cool resources. I'm going to be able to do that if I go here. And I mean, in, in reality, like there, there's not a whole lot of time that you have outside of school. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, being here in Yakima, like we are kind of far removed from a lot of like big cities or things like that. And um, rural communities don't always have the most amenities to uh, like kind of like do hobbies. Or, I mean, outdoors wise, it's great here. Um, but just little things. So just kind of being removed from cities or things like that, we're kind of all, it, it brings us together a little bit more. We, we spend more time or like um, hang out a little bit more. So that kind of puts us all together. That sense of team chemistry that comes along, it comes in with every single class. It's not just the current first year class. Every single class gets this, eventually has this sense of collaboration and shared responsibility to get everyone to the ultimate destination. I find that like totally bonkers in, in the sense that it's, illogi- it's illogical when you're looking at it from a sense of advocating for yourself, right? <laughs> but it also is the one thing that gives me the most optimism towards the future of medicine in general, because you have people that had to be very cutthroat and, and advocate for themselves, even if it meant stepping over other people in order to get to this point. And then, and now you're trying, and now you try to tell, tell people, okay, we know that, you know, we know that it was all about me, 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 me. How can I present myself in the best way up until you get into medical school? And then it's like, okay, drop that attitude Mm -hmm. and be collaborative and support one another. And people go out of their way to do that, even if it takes up their precious time and precious resources, which medical students, we all know, is those are both very rare, rarefied things. So the fact that every single year you have a class that, for the most part, comes together as a group and chooses selflessness over selfishness is, I mean, it's, it's totally illogical, but <laughs> completely inspiring for the future of of medicine in general, because yeah. that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, it's, it's a really very powerful. selfless profession. Yeah. And I wouldn't even, I mean, I wouldn't say that our whole entire class, we're not this like perfect class. No, not these, like, absolutely not. But no. at least for our class, there's been a couple individuals like Logan or Megan that I feel like they put themselves out there and kind of, they, they've shown vulnerability to the whole class. And that reminds me, at least personally, like I, I'm not the type of student that, or I'm not the type of person that wants to sh- express my weaknesses or vulnerabilities or like, if I mess up or get a poor score, I'm, I don't want to let people know. That's just that's something that I need to get better at. But we have a couple individuals um, that that have done that, and that reminds me of like, okay, yeah, I do need to like help out everyone a little bit more, and I've gotten help from other people, and so like, yeah, it's just. There's a couple individuals I think have kind of helped. They're, they're the catalyst. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that. Would you credit that to the the community here too? I know before we even started recording, you were talking about just them having the uh, the platform to do that. Yeah. Um, and looking at other places, did you see a platform similar to that, or how does that platform allow for that sort of uh, again that level of vulnerability to come out in students? Yeah. So the the what's it, the PNWU uh, blog blog school. So right. like. Um, like I was saying earlier, after my interview, um, 
I, I wasn't completely blown away like Daryl, but I mean, I was so, still really excited to come here. And uh, I mean, uh, that makes me think of earlier we were talking about, sorry, side tangent is uh, students, <laughs> students, like you aren't going to choose your medical school. Medical schools are going to choose you. Like I spent way too much time like, oh, I want to go here. I think this would be the best fit. And then once you send off those primary and secondary applications, you have no idea who's going to like send you an interview back. So like stop stressing about where you want to go. It's like they're going to choose you. And so after I was accepted, I was like kind of like getting to know PNWU more. And um, I found the blog. And it was really cool to see like students talk about like basically struggles they've gone through. Like the, the one I remember specifically was one of the students, um, he and his boyfriend, like had, he, he had gone through some a domestic violence incident basically. And just for me to like see a student express that, tell that story on a medical school platform, I, like I was just like, wow, like that they that's a thing. Like they're willing to do that and they're okay with that. Because when I was writing my essays, it's like basically for your personal statement, make make it look like you are the perfect person and that you're going to be the perfect physician. Don't show any weaknesses because they're not going to take any students with any like weaknesses. No, you're perfect. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I tell myself. Yeah, <laughs> every morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's just, uh, that's one thing that kind of I thought was cool about here and the community here. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And it just kind of goes back to the admissions process and like really credit the admissions committee for like really trying to create more of a community as opposed to a bunch of, indiv- bringing a, in a bunch of individuals together here to get a degree. Yeah. Um, it's in the best interest of the students too, yeah. because like the the community gets is starting to get more and more out of the fact that we're here, right? And we're doing more outreach and we're becoming more well-known in the region for what we do here. Um, but it's also a con- – it's now we have this more and more consistent reminder when you're sitting there in a lecture hall and it's overheated – for like the third day in a row. (laughs) Um, And uh, everyone is in like the worst mood. And then you have these little bits and pieces that continually remind you of that ultimate destination, right? So it's a totally, it's it's a definitely a two-way street. You know, the community gets a lot out of us being willing to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there. But uh, but then the community being there and responding to that is a huge, you know, is 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 a helping hand back to us as well. So Absolutely. Kind of, kind of about the same thing, but pivoting a little and um, like picking schools that are good fits for you, good f- communities, um, makes me think about how schools have different curriculums again. And mm-hmm. then can you like, I'm curious to know the curriculum changes that have gone from when you were here, was it three, two years ago, like that? 17 years yeah. ago. <laughs> I mean, you seem really... <laughs> I just hung out here until the school was here. It's fine. It's like, basically, the, the first two years is, yeah. are these, like, these, it's the core curriculum, and we're kind of going through a completely different curriculum than you, right? Totally, yeah. So, like, in a nutshell, the way that it was, was when I, when I went through first and second year, the entirety of first year was basic sciences. So it was, you know, we had anatomy all year. We had a physiology course all year. We had a basics of, or intro to pharmacology course for an entire semester. We had um, biochemistry and microbiology all year. So all of those were stretched out. And our testing and our testing design was different too, where we had block exams at the end of every month. So we would have 
three, you know, three and a half weeks where we just have quizzes kind of dabbled in here and there, um, in addition, like clinical skills and OPP and stuff like that. And then we'd have like eight tests in two days. So it like was oh, sounds like a t- nightmare. It was terrible <laughs> for like four days. But then you also had, it was kind of like, it, it was a roller coaster effect, right? Where you kind of like, the stress level would skyrocket for one week and then it would drop because you would actually have one to two weekends where you really could kind of goof off and have some self-care and then not, um, uh, and not get too, too far behind. See how I dropped self-care into yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, a that's... good solid medical word right there. <laughs> yeah, we go through phases. I feel yeah. like it's like cyclic in, in medical school. Yeah. It's like... You go through these like cram, 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 yeah. test, 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 and then like, okay, I just yeah. took an exam. I'm gonna like breathe a little bit, take yeah. care. You forget to take, not forget right. to take care of yourself, but it's like I don't have the time to do it. And I think that, and now that with the way they're doing the curriculum now, I actually wish that I had gone through the new curriculum. Not so, not so much because, because I think that overall, your guys is probably baseline stress level. <laughs> was higher than whatever my mean stress level was. But I did have these peaks. Everyone has these peaks and valleys when yeah. you do this block exam style. Absolutely. But when you have like consistent exam exams and everything's like, you know, you got one a week and then you have two and then you have none and then, you know, but it's pretty consistent. You start, you learn how to adapt mm-hmm. a lot quicker. Yeah. And the people that, the people that struggle they struggle early, early on, and they get the help that they need early, early yeah, on. Yeah. And then the people that then then people learn how to be successful and how to adapt to um, to this new style of learning. Right now, the great thing about doing it the way that you guys do it with SciFom and then the systems curriculum is I didn't touch systems until second year. You guys do MSK, derm, derm cardio, and respiratory all in first year, which was like half of my second year. You know, so. And you guys do them in the sense, in the way, in a very cool way, where you get the normal physiology as much as the normal anatomy as we can do, given the time constraints and stuff. Um, the um, the clinical skills portion of it, and then you get the pathology, the pharmacology, and the medicine all together in all one. And you can make those connections in a day to day basis. When I took renal physiology, it was October of my first year. When I took renal pathology, it was October of my second year. <laughs> okay. So trying to go back a calendar year and figure out what the heck the kidney does, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. Uh, um, but trying to remember what a normal kidney is supposed to do and then trying to relate that and make that connection, it's not nearly as conducive for long-term retention of the yep. information, right? Absolutely. So it, it sucks because your baseline, your, your baseline stress level may be a little bit higher, but as long as you're able to adapt to it, that y- the new curriculum is, is designed for you to remember things and make connections that last a long time. Yeah. The, the reason I ask him is because uh, like what Daryl said earlier, like I wouldn't change what I did prior to applying uh, anything because like that shapes who you are today, and I'm, I'm happy with the person that I am. Um, but when I was applying, it was like I, you really didn't know. Like I didn't think about curriculums that yeah. much. Like I didn't, I didn't. That didn't really. It, it didn't cross my mind. And like the schools can vary so much. Like some schools that like do this problem-based learning where basically they meet like a couple times a week and then you go self-study. Yeah. And, or there's like the spiral curriculum like you was kind of talking about, like kind of right. normal stuff the first year, patho stuff. And I, I, I really like our curriculum, but essentially like the first two, year, two years of medical school is, is geared towards this one big exam, the, the board exams that you're, the step one or the complex one, whatever. 
whatever you want to call them, um, like that's what you're, you're kind of working towards and building this foundation. And that's not really anything that really crossed my mind when I was applying. Yeah. So like to applicants now, like right. look at curriculums and, and see what's your best fit. Because I remember interviewing at one school, then when I got there, they were like, yeah, this is problem-based. And uh, you do like it's a lot of self-study. And I was like, oh, man, I, I'm going to procrastinate. And I'm going like, <laughs> <I'm gonna, laughs> to shoot myself in the foot. But in hindsight, like, I yeah. mean, there's so much self-study either way here. Um, like that, I, I think I probably could have uh, survived in that curriculum, but I, I do like how we have it set up. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to think, right? Because like one of the biggest decisions of our lives is to choose to, to go to medical school, and then the choice between medical schools is also a really big choice that you don't really realize, and it comes down to things like curriculum and fit. Like, just mm-hmm. I can't emphasize how important. Fit, fit. I know that is not. I didn't because think that as much. I like for me at least like when I told people at at my old undergrad like my professors that I was working with the the docs I was working with my friends that I was that I was friends with um, when I told them that I decided to choose PNWU over a few allopathic schools um, they were like why why the heck would you want to end up in Yakima <laughs> like you have a it's chance the Palm Springs award. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's one. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it 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 really came down to the fact that I I knew who I wanted to be as as a physician. I I saw I've had enough experience that I was like, okay, I can see the characteristics that I want to take from this doc, from this professor, from my friends, my family, and embody it into this amalgamation of like being this doc that I mm-hmm. think I have in my head, right? And spelling's out the window. Um, but I think it's just super important that I think when choosing medical schools that like I chose PNWU because it hit the majority of mm-hmm. those points for me. I could have gone to another school and be like, yeah, I went to this so-and-so school. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it has a way better reputation or whatever, right? Correct. But it's it should never be about a name. It should never be about your degree, if it's MD or DO. It should be about, do you really care about becoming a physician? If so, what kind of physician you want to be? Right. Because even, even say, like, the argument about uh, DO schools not putting kids into a like superstar residencies, right? Like mm-hmm. or, or a lot of specialties. Like super like subspecial random subspecialties, like, mm-hmm. you know, use that argument, right? If you really put all like if that's something that you want to be, mm-hmm. you'll put that much effort into yeah. it, right? You, have, you yeah. make your medical school you make your medical school experience. It's mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with your school. It has nothing to do with, you know, whatever you want to blame it on. At the end of the day, we're all here because we wanted to be here and we're all going to get out because we want to get out right. and be a family med doc or an ER doc, right? Like, it's just, I don't know. I think so much emphasis is put on like, oh my God, did you get into Harvard? Did you get into like blah, blah, blah. Like even in undergrad, like, oh, like your undergrad doesn't matter like where you go to, right? There's just this weird social stigma about like you have to go to a brand name school and you have to become an MD or whatever. At the end of the day, it's can you get into a school that you feel comfortable going to? And right. can that school get you to where you want to be? 
Right. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, we don't have to kid ourselves that like, you know, those brand name schools are <coughs> popular and successful every single year for a reason. You mm-hmm. know, the resources there are really strong. They've established themselves in the community. They have hospitals attached to their uh, to their institutions and stuff like that. There's a there's definitely a reason why the U S News and World Report has a uh, you know has ranking systems every year, and they're not they're not wrong you know. But the harsh reality is that for a majority of medical app, medical school applicants, we don't have the you don't have the luxury of of picking and choosing what brand you go to right. You, your school like like Nick said you know your school chooses you. And you have, you know, and you you should be lu- you're lucky and grateful to go to any school, and then it's on you to make that experience what you want it to be, and that's what you know. It, it makes you it makes people stronger when they have to do that. Right. Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, I mean, going to a school that doesn't have the big hospital that's uh, there, there that that's attached to the school and mm-hmm. you can stay here for your third and fourth years. Um, it kind of makes you a little grittier or like you kind of, yeah. kind of have to, you learn how to fight with your back against the wall <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Absolutely. Yeah. And but, I think it's just an interesting like characteristic that yeah. a lot of us have is like, yeah, sure. We don't go to a school West of the West of the mountains. Right. But like, it's, it just makes us, it makes us, it makes us a lot, it makes us a lot more um, passionate about what we do because right. it makes, it forces us to really think like, it does. do we really care yeah. about what we do? Right. So, mm. so that kind of makes me think of like, so now that I'm here in my first year, going to start going to the second year. Now the, the unknown for me is rotations. Right. So, and like, like you were considering EM mm-hmm. or family medicine and, right. or, and family medicine. I kind of was the same way originally. I, I got it in my interest in medicine was sparked from an interest in emergency medicine. Right. And then now I'm, I'm kind of feel like I'm a better fit for family medicine, but how did, or did rotations and like rotating through different fields, did that change your perspective of the physician that you see yourself becoming? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that when you go out to rotations, I mean, you're kind of, you do yourself a disservice if you don't go out with an open mind. Um, and some people won't even go out with an open mind. Like I, like I, I mean, I started rotations and I was like, I definitely want to do surgery. And then I did, (laughs) and then I did my surgery rotation and I loved it. And then I realized what that would mean for the rest, the other components of my life. And I was like, okay, my wife's an attorney. She works a lot. I, you know, I would like to spend time with her at some point in my life. Um, so, um, so the lifestyle of a surgeon became less and less appealing to me specifically. Now it's really appealing to a lot of people and there's so many benefits, you know, there's so many cool things about going into surgery and you can say that about any discipline in medicine, pros and cons, right? Um, going in, going in with an open mind though, showed me it, you know, allowed me to kind of organically discover, um, the types of medicine and the disciplines within medicine that fit the other components of my life as well. And at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're signing on for your lifelong career, Mm -hmm. right? And you can always change, you know, people, you know, there's, there's, physicians that go out and practice for a while and come back and, and they teach or they go in a completely different direction. You know, people change all the time and they change, you know, and they sometimes change really drastically. But if you, um, 
But the beauty of clinical rotations is it gives you this kind of blueprint that's, that allows you to look at that rotation and say, and say, how does my life fit into this style of medicine, right? Yeah. And, um, at, and the most important thing to me is I want to live my best life and be my best version of myself for me, for my wife, for my family and friends, and especially for my patients. Because if I'm not happy as a physician and I'm not happy in the environment that I'm in, then I'm going to be I'm not going to be a very good physician in general, and I'm not going to be empathetic. And I'm, I'm, you know, I could misdiagnoses. I could, you know, be apathetic. I could, you know, all, all these terrible things could, you know, happen at, you know, at the patient's expense simply because I didn't listen to, you know, uh, I didn't listen, and I had a preconceived notion of what what I already wanted to do, as opposed to going in and letting it come to me, right? Now that always doesn't that doesn't always work. Like if you want to go into emergency medicine, the simple fact is that you have to you have to kind of be on the ball like right away. You want to do your emergency medicine rotation relatively early so you can get a letter of rec, and you have to get these standardized letters of rec or slow letters. And you have to and now and you need to apply to audition rotations really early and stuff. So having a general idea of maybe where you want to go is important, yep. but it's also really important to just to not pigeonhole yourself. Right. right? And I think. Andrew brought up a good point because for me at least like having a family and you know being there being present like as a future father or you know a future husband is a lot more important to me than maybe becoming like sacrificing that life to become Mm -hmm. a surgeon there's nothing wrong with becoming a surgeon like let's put that out there right now like there's people good clarifier yeah yeah like (laughs) there's people that love to do it and would be great at it and they're meant to do it and they're willing to sacrifice that like that aspect mm. of their life but for me and i mean clearly like andrew and nick like i want to i don't want to be married to medicine yeah. for the rest of my life right i love medicine and i love the fact that i have the opportunity to become a physician but i also want to love the fact that i got to see my kid play basketball mm-hmm. shoot his first hoop Right. And be present. Right. So that all that kind of runs through your head as you're finishing up first Mm -hmm. year and then you're kind of going into your second year and you're just like, oh, crap, like I have to start thinking about rotations. What do I really care about? And what are my strengths about like, you know, Mm -hmm. where where can I fit into this whole jigsaw of of medicine and how can I contribute myself like my best self to medicine? And that's a lot to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, like I feel I don't know. I joke about this all the time, but like I. I feel like a lot of the stressors of medical school kind of come outside of the books. Oh yeah, it's mm. it's more of the it's the it's, stress that it puts on your life outside. Yeah, of it. it's mm-hmm. the it's the stress that you are always consumed by books. Uh, preclinical years, mm-hmm. you're always consumed by books, but then you also realize that you have a life outside of medicine that's not stopping for you. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. and you get so consumed in this that it's forget. You like, just forget. You're absent from yeah. it. Yeah, like, I I just. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's like, I don't want to be a phys- a physician is not how I'm going to identify myself. I'd Absolutely. rather be first identified Absolutely. as a husband, son, brother. So yeah. it's, it's, it's easy to forget that. Yeah, it seems to come back to that key word that you said before, the idea of self-care. Mm-hmm. So in wrapping it up, I, sometimes I look at the yeah. clock and I'm like, man, these conversations just mm-hmm. well, we ramble. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's fantastic. I think that every point is good. But um. In the idea of self-care after your first year and after the years that you've been here, 
for somebody coming into medical school or considering medical school, what is, uh, maybe we could boil it down, this would be tough, to one piece of advice um, in looking back on your experiences that you would give somebody in, in just taking care of themselves and the importance of that aspect of succeeding. Let's go through. Wow, we got to boil that down. To, uh, that's going to be hard. About. I'll, I'll, I, I didn't start. Um, <laughs> okay. I think my biggest piece of advice to someone that wants, that thinks they want to go into medicine, is that it is an amazing, arduous, and oftentimes thankless profession, not because patients don't care, but because it's not their job to thank you. So the most important part of living a healthy, happy, balanced life as a physician is finding purpose in what you do. And you, before you take that step and before you start that journey, you need to sit down and ask yourself, do, do I think that I'm going to find purpose in this career path? And if there's any point during that path, during this process that you find yourself losing that sense of purpose, you absolutely have to take a step back, reevaluate, and know that if this is really not what you want to do, there's no shame in saying that. I, I, I think there's, I mean, this is really hard and it's really long and you give up a lot of things outside of it. But one, it's, I mean, I personally, for me, can't find can't imagine anything else more fulfilling. And there's a there's a quote that I, I know it's really popular, um, but I, I, can't, I don't know who said it. But it's <laughs> it's like, can you see yourself doing anything other than medicine? And if you can do that, if you can imagine yourself doing something else, then you probably should go with that. But if you cannot imagine yourself doing anything other than medicine, then you know it's a right fit for you. And then and and if you're if it feels right to be committed to that, like, as like I can't like really articulate why, um, other than like the this accu- accumulation of of all these things, it just feels right. I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And so you are going to go through struggles. You're going to do some really. You're going to give up a lot of things, but you need to make the best of it. And and you're just going to improve with each day. And and that's really fulfilling. That was really deep, Nick. That was like really deep. <laughs> I got goosebumps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think. I think just accepting failure and being open-minded. Um, sorry, that was two things. But uh, <laughs> you're gonna have to I, pick one. <laughs> uh, accepting failure, open-minded. Uh, but no, like I think just being able to accept that, you know, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're not the top of your class anymore, right? Like, you know being pre-med and stuff like that, you're forced to be top of the class, like top one, two percent, right? But once you get here, you have to realize like all the other top one to two percents of the rest of the <laughs> United States yeah. is, That's your class is, now. Is, is also your, your colleagues and your classmates, right? So like being open-minded to the fact that, you know, it's okay to check the ego at the door and it's yeah. okay to be human, like be normal, right? Like yeah. we're going into this because not because we want to be like num- like we want to be regarded as like number one best best, mm-hmm. best human ever right yeah. like we're going into this Daryl be- Fong <laughs> <laughs> number one human ever <laughs> we're going into this because we care about the profession and we want to advance medicine as a whole and whether it's through 
the grassroots approach of primary care or the subspecialties that you know are only in big cities it's we want to advance medicine because medicine is always evolving and it's always going to be something that people need right people are always going to need physicians that understand the human the human body the human persona right like so i think just being able to check the ego at the door and be kind of just open-minded to the fact that you know, you know, you might not be the number one person in your class, but that's okay. Because whether you're number one or number 142, at the end of the day, once you graduate, you're going to be doctor. Thanks again for tuning into The Scientific Method. To be the first to hear upcoming episodes, including our conversations with the nation's leading healthcare experts on topics such as opioids in America, healthcare reform, corporate-funded research, and more, subscribe now.